Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast, which looks right across the UK property market from our Eagle's Perch here in podcast land. With me today are the APW Property Investment Experts, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Paul. And hello, Callum. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm Paul Shearer, and just yesterday I was making free with the filler in my Ramsgate HMO, plugging the holes after the electricians had been. But today I'm quizzing our resident Sparky duo with a City Watch episode, and today we're looking at Edinburgh. Callum, as usual, can you begin by telling us where it is? Edinburgh, it's in Scotland, it's the capital of Scotland, and um, for those of you that aren't from the UK, that's the, uh, the country or the part of the UK that's at the very top of the island. I came across another description. Uh, This was from the Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, which I also learned was uh, actually designed in Edinburgh and was first published in three volumes in 1768 and 1771. And I'm going to use this description because I love the language of it. And I suspect it was written by someone from Scotland themselves. So here is a Scottish accent for you as well. Uh, Edinburgh occupies some seven miles of north-facing slope between the Pentland Hills and the broad Firth of Forth estuary, where it merges with the once independent seaport of Leith. Upthrusts of lava punctuate this slope. One of them, called Arthur's Seat, the centrepiece of the Royal Park, has an elevation of 823 feet and dominates the city's southeastern flank. At the city's core is the old town's Castle Rock, a plug of black basalt sealing the vent of an extinct volcano. Uh, Stuart, next question to you. Why Edinburgh? I was just overcome by your accent there. I was wondering if people are going to write in and say, oh God, what an awful accent. Can we each do the whole episode in a Scottish accent? Maybe that'll make it a bit more entertaining. We could do. I, my, both my parents actually met at Edinburgh University uh, studying architecture uh, shortly after the war. And my father was from Dunfermline. So um, they can, they can, you know, fight it out with me over the accent if they like. <laughs> okay. So Time Out recently named uh, Edinburgh the best city in the world to visit, beating Chicago and Medellin. Edinburgh also scored 91% for not being rude and 96% for not being boring. So that was one of my father's father's favourite phrase was "Don't be rude." Anything else about uh, the rough guide to Edinburgh? Uh, basically, it was voted the fourth most beautiful city in the world, beating London to fifth place, but coming in behind Paris, Rome, and Florence. So a nice place to be. Um, We're going to start off with some fun facts about Edinburgh. Here's one, and a very timely one, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, which is running right now until the 29th of August. Uh, It's the largest arts festival in the world and will stage 3,000 shows with over 50,000 performances across 300 venues. Um, And it is a spectacular occasion. I myself have been there four times as a performer. I had a quick flick through the online programme for this year. came across Dan Willis's show, which I thought you might both be interested in, being as where you're geographically located. Uh, Dan Willis's show is called Australia, A Whinging Pom's Guide. Uh, He moved there nine years ago, apparently. No idea whether it's any good, but uh, have a look through the online programme and you'll see all manner of shows uh, for all manner of tastes. Uh, So any more fun facts from you guys? I'll start us off then with a fun fact. Uh, Edinburgh has more trees per head of population than any other city in the UK and has over 112 parks. Okay, 
What about famous folk from Edinburgh? Uh, Sir Sean Connery, uh, born there and brought up in Fountain Bridge before moving into acting. Uh, before moving into acting, Connery worked in Edinburgh for several years, first as a milkman, uh, then a stint in the Royal Navy, a lorry driver, a lifeguard, a model at the Edinburgh College of Art, a semi-professional bodybuilder, and a footballer. Okay. Um, the most famous street in Edinburgh, the Royal Mile, uh, isn't actually a mile long. Uh, it's one mile and 107 yards, and it goes from the castle to Holyrood Palace. So how did Sean Connery then get his break into uh, acting, Callum? Um, I think I've heard this story before. Was he... Was he a carpenter on set or was that Harrison Ford? I think maybe he was in the gym next door and they were looking for uh, extras to be sailors. In That's it. correct. It was in the Wardour Street gym and they were casting um, South Pacific next door and all the sailors they brought in weren't that masculine. And so the director said, get next door and get me some proper men. And that's how apparently Sean Connery got into it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I do know that Edinburgh Castle sits on Castle Rock, a 700 million year old extinct volcano. At 1 p.m., you have the one o'clock gun firing a shot from the castle. This takes place every day except Sundays. Okay. Uh, the Stone of Destiny, or the Stone of Schoon, as uh, an important ceremonial symbol in Scotland. In 1269, it was taken by English King King Edward and installed in Westminster Abbey. Uh, but then uh, on one Christmas day, four angry Scottish students stole the sandstone, moved it to Arbroath Abbey. The stone was recovered, sent back to Westminster Abbey. And in 1996, the stone was officially returned to Scottish soil and is now housed in Edinburgh Castle. Hmm. Well, uh, one perhaps then for the more millennial people that are listening, um, such as myself, uh, J.K. Rowling wrote some of the Harry Potter series in uh, in Edinburgh, specifically in the Elephant House Cafe, uh, which actually burnt down last year, although they did manage to save the table that she wrote some of the books at. Oh, one thing all you J.K. Rowling fans out there. A little bit more history. Um, old Riki, as it's sometimes called, sits on land that's been occupied for thousands of years. Human remains from 8,500 BC were discovered in Cramond. Uh, there are remains of Bronze Age, Iron Age and Roman settlements dotted about the city. There was the medieval old town around the castle and the Royal Mile, which stretches away from Castle Rock down to Holyrood Palace. Uh, there's the Georgian New Town and plenty of Victorian suburbs, which built in, were built in a style which became known as Scots Baronial. Uh, the city wasn't bombed much during the Second World War, so remains very intact. Uh, it's got a UNESCO World Heritage Site, or maybe it's two actually, um, and contains 4,500 listed buildings and has 50 conservation areas. Um, most of the bombing was in the heavy industry, which is in nearby Leith, or was in nearby Leith, on the 4th Firth, which is actually apparently a fjord. Edinburgh's name is Din Edin or Eden's Fort. It became the de facto capital of Scotland in 1437 when the royal court moved there. In 1560, when Scotland as a whole boasted a million people, Edinburgh contained 12,000 inhabitants, with another 4,000 in Leith and Canongate. In 1583, the university was founded by royal charter under King James VI, and later King James VI succeeded to the English throne with the Union of the Crowns. In the 17th century, Edinburgh crammed into 140 acres of its ancient royalty, started to go upwards to 11 storeys or more, where different social groups lived hugger-mugger. 
In 1706 and 7, the Acts of Union were passed and the Kingdom of Great Britain was created and the two parliaments merged and rule began from Westminster, although Scottish law remained separate. And the Acts of Union also created Nicola Sturgeon and her calls for a second referendum on Scottish independence because she didn't like the result of the first one. Protestant groups had a bit of a bundle during the Wars of the Covenant and the Wars of the Three Kingdoms, but the Presbyterians won out and the Church of Scotland was formed in 1689. Eventually they decided to break out of the old town and the new town was built, taking George and London as its inspiration and paying homage to the Hanoverian George III with street names such as George Street, Hanover Street, Prince's Street and so on. As the well-to-do moved out of the old town into the new areas, the old town spiralled into decay. One description in 1865 of Cowgate, which I came across, the Cowgate is the Irish portion of the city. Edinburgh leaps over it with bridges. The inhabitants are morally and geographically the lower orders. They keep to their own quarters and seldom come up to the light of day. Many an Edinburgh man has never set foot in the street. The condition of the inhabitants is as little known to respectable Edinburgh as are the habits of moles, earthworms and the mining population. The people of Cowgate seldom visit the upper streets. Uh, so there was a big social divide there between the respectable Edinburgh and the inhabitants of Cowgate in the uh, 19th century. Uh, Cowgate would later be part of the slum clearance of the 1960s and 70s as the city tried to reverse its population decline. There's a big Catholic church there called St. Patrick's, which is rather lovely. Um, many thinkers grew out of the Scottish Enlightenment era, such as Adam Smith, David Hume, lent their names to the city's academic reputation. Suffice to say, this is a city with an extremely rich and interesting history. Uh, but time for our usual look through with some PI, which stands for Population, Infrastructure and Employment. Callum, uh, population. Yeah, so it's grown substantially since the 1600s when it had 12,000 people. Now has a population of uh, around 550,000 people. Uh, the city has grown steadily in recent years. Last year's growth at just under a percent, uh, 0.92%. Um, working age population is over 370,000 people. The city is recognised for its talent, with half of working age residents educated to degree level or above, which is more than any other UK city, uh, bar Oxford or Cambridge. More graduates live in any other city, bar London and Birmingham. I think we, I remember covering that in the in the Birmingham episode. In 2019, JLL ranked Edinburgh the 15th top city in the world for talent concentration in its Innovation Geographies Index. Uh, the city performs strongly for talent retention, as we've said, with Knight Frank finding that over 50% of university graduates remained in the city after qualifying. In the 2020 Global Talent Competitiveness Index, a ranking of cities by their ability to grow, attract and retain talent, Edinburgh ranked second in the UK and 45th worldwide. Just to add to that, the student population specifically, which is important to know if that's a target, uh, a market that you're targeting as a buyer that landlord, the student population is over 65,000. That was in 2019, including over 20,000 postgrads, so more mature students, I guess. Um, and most of those stats are taken from the government website or edinburgh.gov.uk. Yep. Okay. They've got a massive document on Edinburgh called Edinburgh Night by Numbers. So, yeah, if you're a statistic freak, uh, have a look through that. Stuart, uh, infrastructure, what about uh, the some of the transport connections? Well, the good news is it's normally a very short walk in between pubs. Certainly when I've been up to Edinburgh, it's always been very enjoyable to get up there. The restaurants are very good. 
The city itself is well connected. Uh, it's got proper road, rail, air routes. I seem to remember I took the, the train from Paddington up to Edinburgh. And although it was a, quite a long journey, it was it was pleasant because it's good to look forward to. It's very easily walkable, as long as you haven't had too many pint heavy and a wee dram. The National Cycle Network and the John Mill Way both run through Edinburgh and there's work currently underway in the city centre west to East Cycle Link, the CCWEL. Don't know why they have to have that. A major new active travel route in central Edinburgh going from Roseburn in the west through the city centre onto Leith Walk. Yes, yeah, so that train journey that you talked about there was um, four hours and 20 minutes, I think, from London. Uh, trains to Glasgow are 42 minutes, and the city's got 12 rail stations, including the city centre stations of Edinburgh Waverley, Haymarket, Edinburgh Gateway, and Edinburgh Park stations, which uh, link the city centre with West Edinburgh. It's hard for me to avoid going into a Scottish accent when, as soon as I say Edinburgh, uh, it just has to be Edinburgh. Um, the Edinburgh trams connect the city centre with the rest of Edinburgh. Buses galore all over the place. Driving, they've got the M8 uh, going to Glasgow in an hour and 20 minutes. The A1, the A702 lead to London, uh, around a seven-hour drive. Lots of park-and-ride facilities. The airport, Stuart, that's um, quite well-connected too. Yeah, it's a it's a you know, very pleasant flight you know, from anywhere in the UK to Edinburgh again because it's a great place to go and visit from a work and uh, enjoyment perspective but it's very close to the airport centre. And I think you've got contacts virtually all over the world, 150 airports worldwide, I believe. Yeah, um, in COVID-ridden 2021, there were only 3.5 million people flying to and from Edinburgh Airport, which uh, that was a decrease of 76% in the volume of passengers. Um, It's growing in popularity as a sea destination as well, with cruise ships coming into the port of Leith. And then along that waterfront, there are some new projects as well, aren't there, Stuart? Take us through some of those. Uh, yeah, there's the Granton Waterfront, uh, which is a string of coastal communities, Cramond, Granton, Leith, Portobello, and Musselburgh. What a great name, Musselburgh. That's a name to conjure all sorts of thoughts with. Money has already been spent there, and there are plans for coastal development with three and a half thousand homes. North Edinburgh at the moment suffers from some of the highest levels of deprivation in Scotland, and there's a further investment of 1.3 billion to complete the regeneration that's well underway, ensuring that the community wealth building and growing the economy in a sustainable way is fully realised. Yes, that's a it's one of those kind of, um, uh, it's in the city plan for uh, 2030. So it's a project that uh, is on their to-do list. Uh, but whether it gets to the completion is going to depend on whether they can find this money for the $1.3 billion. They've got another uh, development site on the west of Edinburgh, uh, which is 7,000 houses for a £2 billion development beside the airport on 205 acres of brownfield land. Uh, that was announced by Sir Bill Gamble and the Drum Property Group. There's a lot of office and entertainment space planned for the city centre, which has suffered a bit during COVID. Um, my brother, who lives nearby in Bowness, was telling me about Princess Street um, has suffered a bit. And they then built a new shopping centre in St James's Quarter. Do you know anything about that, Stuart? Mm, I've got to say, I don't, but I know Callum does. Yes, well... I am the man when it comes to uh, knowledge on shopping centres. It's actually in phase one at the moment, phase one of a new retail quarter, which opened 
uh, during COVID during July 2021 after the Saint Centre closed in 2016. So a replacement, if you will. It's a £1 billion scheme featuring an 80-shop galleria. There's been criticism of the new construction with some unfavourable comments about the architecture. Although it features the gold ribbon, which is a winding walnut-whip-style feature at the top of the building. Very nice. Um, yes, I don't know if you remember Prince Charles's comments on some of the architecture in London where he called one thing a monstrous carbuncle. And then uh, famously he came up with the gherkin idea. Uh, well, this was um, critic Jay Rayner. Uh, he called this uh, winding walnut whip uh, golden ribbon on top of this. Uh, he said it looked like a giant dog turd. <laughs> well, so um, there you go. A bit more forthright in his architectural <laughs> criticism. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't quite compete with the gherkin, but um, they are trying to go for a, you know, trying to bring that high-end theme there with shops including Harrods, a John Lewis, Victoria's Secret, a Lego shop, and there's a 244-room luxury hotel with some upscale service departments uh, and apartments there. Any other developments, Stuart, that you could think worth mentioning? Uh, Dunard Centre. Basically, the Dunard Centre is a great entertainment centre. Going to be spending a lot of money on it. Uh, it's going to be the first and Edinburgh's first multi-purpose music and performance venue in over 100 years. A number of studies have highlighted the need to augment the city's venue base. Do you think it needs that if he's got the Fringe Festival? Well, the Fringe Festival is, is one of many festivals that they've got. They've got the Book Festival, which is also very popular. Um, but it's also created a crisis in the uh, available property. Uh, there was been a lot about uh, the short-term let idea, and, and Edinburgh Council now want to cancel the short-term let planning permission idea uh, because it's just led to not enough available property for... Uh, the local population. Uh, so that's one to keep an eye out as well. Do you, you were nodding there, Stuart. Anything else to add on that? Well, it's the same wherever we go, isn't it? It's you know, a free market economy, so people will do their best to make money. You know, We're trying to get access to a flat in Birmingham to, to take photos and value it, but we can't because of the Commonwealth Games have taken it on a short-term rental lease and the existing tenants have moved out and sublet it. But you know, the sort of rates they can get is, is phenomenal. And so it is an issue that goes on whenever you have these big sporting events, these cultural events, and it, it's just a, a result of the free market economy. You can't really fight with it. And by banning it, you're then going to make the, the local cities suffer from not having the events there. Yeah, I thought one that um, perhaps Stuart might like to have talked about is a redevelopment of a brewery. Um, the Fountain Bridge uh, Regeneration Project, um, which is just sort of near the uh, old city centre, near the just sort of southeast of the Waverley train station there, looking to build 436 new homes, um, redeveloping that old Fountain Bridge brewery site, or the former Fountain Brewery, it's called. New shops, uh, high-quality public space, uh, and an extension of the school, the, the Boromir High School. So... Um, that's potentially quite an interesting development. Okay, uh, let's have a look at employment now. So the sectors that they uh, claim expertise in, uh, the software and technology, higher education, film and television, 
financial services, obviously, tourism is a big sector. Let's have a look at some of those software and technology. Edinburgh's got a very well-established and dynamic technology ecosystem. In 2021, Barclays Eagle Labs named the city the UK's leading technology ecosystem outside of London. Uh, 17,000 people in Edinburgh work in software development. Uh, thousands more working in allied technological fields. You've got multiple blue chip international technology companies have a base there. Uh, Microsoft, Apple, IBM, Huawei, Fujitsu, Adobe, uh, Motorola Solutions, Smartsheet, etc. Amazon Development Centre Scotland in Edinburgh is one of Amazon's flagship research facilities. Skyscanner, that was uh, started in Edinburgh. Rockstar, that was uh, Rockstar North, a developer of Grand Theft Auto, that originated in Edinburgh. Callum, financial services. Sure, yeah. Edinburgh has a uh, long history of excellence in financial services, dating back to the founding of the Bank of Scotland in 1695. Currently, presently, over 30,000 people work in financial services in Edinburgh, with a further 3,500 working in accounting, auditing and tax consultancy. Uh, the sector is supported by sophisticated supply chain, including a rapidly growing financial technology fintech sector and a specialist financial services recruitment firms such as Core Asset Consulting, Meraki Talent uh, are supporting this. The September 2021 Global Financial Centres Index, a comparison of competitiveness of the world's leading financial centres, uh, ranked Edinburgh 22nd worldwide, 7th in Europe. Yeah, so it's the second largest financial services sector in the UK and the fourth largest in Europe. And those uh, 30,000 financial services go alongside the 51,000 people who work in the health centre, 38,000 in business admin, 30,000 in finance, 33,000 in education, 30,000 in professional, scientific and technical. So it's well supported by the employment sector. Film and television. There's a nice sound studio in Leith where they filmed the Avengers Infinity War there. Food and drink, you were mentioning that earlier, uh, Stuart. Do you know anything about the Holyrood Distillery? Well, it makes gin and single malt whiskies from from the inside of an engine shed. So I hope that adds to the taste and not because it takes away from it. In Edinburgh, Nairn's Oat Cakes. Is oh, Nairn's Oat Cakes, of course. Oh, here we <laughs> Got go. to have some of those with your cheese. Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the shortcake house of note. Uh, it's the home to four Michelin-starred restaurants. Or alternatively, you could have a tatty. Oh, yes, the tatties. A baked they were tatty. a staple. For, mm. What about a haggis? A staple when you... Well, not not as popular when you're a student doing um, review shows in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You'd always go and have a tatty with the various toppings. Mine was... Uh, egg mayonnaise was my favourite. But... Well, when I went to the, the Scottish Ball... Uh, in Malaysia, I put on my Williamson kilt and all my Scottish um, gear. And I went along thinking I looked very smart and uh, I was the part. And um, all the guy who was organised, you could say, was, Stu, eat like a tatty in a blanket. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. I, I wore my dad's kilt to, as a teenager to a fancy dress party. Um, but owing to a miscommunication, it was a brother and sister, and the sister decided not to tell her friends that it was going to be a fancy dress party. And then the brother told most of his friends that actually it wasn't really going to be a fancy dress party. So I was the only person in fancy dress wearing my father's kilt. Uh, obviously, as a teenager, how embarrassing was that? <laughs> yeah. So let's have a look at housing uh, in Edinburgh. 
Okay, I mean, some. I'll give you some housing figures off the bat. Um, they're around 230,000 homes in Edinburgh, 155,000 houses, and around 80,000 flats. Uh, 60. 63% of households live in homes they own, while 22% rent privately and 15% rent from the council or from registered social landlords. Uh, the average house price in September 2021 was £321,166. Ranges of uh, prices, Stuart, do you want to talk us through those? I don't know what they are, to be honest. <laughs> but what I can tell okay. you, it, which we don't seem to be recovering really, is that from a, an investment perspective... The major sort of property that we help clients buy in Edinburgh is HMOs, Houses of Multiple Occupancy, because the laws that surround student accommodation and renting are fantastic in Scotland in that parents and children must sign on the lease. So you as a landlord have excellent security. It also has great rental appreciation and capital appreciation for those older style flats in the city centre and uh, it's a great investment location. Okay. Uh, one final stat. Edinburgh had 56% of Scotland's £1 million plus sales from 2003 to 2021. Uh, so obviously the top end market was mostly located in Edinburgh. A little bit about neighbourhoods. We'll obviously do a separate neighbourhood watch for Edinburgh when we can go through more comprehensively who lives where. But uh, any thoughts, Callum? Sure. Just to give give a couple of popular ones we've mentioned already, Stockbridge and Leith. Uh, Stockbridge is a village, call it a village, a village in the heart of Edinburgh and is one of the most sought after areas to live. It's consistently voted as one of the best places to live in Scotland. Uh, you know, highlights include the water of Leith, which we mentioned, which runs through its midst. Uh, the expanse of Inverleith parks, I think Stuart mentioned 122 parks in Edinburgh earlier. The farmer's market and the 112, there we go. Uh, the farmer's market and the quirky shops, restaurants and cafes, you know. So Stockbridge is very much higher end of the market, perhaps not the place you'd be wanting to look if you're looking for pure buy-to-let. Uh, and then Leith voted fourth in Time Out's top 50 coolest places to live in the world. Leith has it all. Uh, with a high-density population, rental is booming in Leith, and this has uh, seen rental and property values rise quickly. Highlights again include the shore, which provides Leith with waterfront living, Leith's Walk, eclectic collection of shops, bars and restaurants, and Leith's Links, that's a tongue twister, uh, which has great open spaces and is the original home of golf, apparently. Um, although I did think that was Bilbo Baggins' granddad when he knocked the head off a goblin and it went into a rabbit hole. But um, maybe it was in Scotland, who knows? But uh, from an investment perspective, I think Leith is perhaps a slightly better location because it's a... It's a slightly lower price point, so you can pick up better value properties there. And with all the people that are wanting to live there, you're getting that sort of, um, you're getting the population element of the pie there as well. So, Which famous band uh, sang Sunset Over Leith? Would that be the Proclaimers? No. Yes, indeed. Well done, Andrew. Good guess. Was that Scouts a guess? Adam there a treat. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say that about the invention of golf. I so imagine two people walking along a beach and one of them saying, oh, look, there's a stone. Why don't I hit it with my stick? Oh, I bet I can hit it further than you. And then golf is invented. It's just, <laughs> it's so simple. I can imagine that's probably it, yeah. Uh, well, that's all we've got time for. Uh, next week, we'll be answering a frequently asked question from the APW's extensive inbox. Until then, it's goodbye from Stuart. Cheerio. Goodbye from Callum. Goodbye, everyone. 
And it's a toodle pip from me, Paul Shearer. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.